How's this? This is good? Good. All right. Tanya and I are really excited. We want to ask a favor from you if you would pray for us. We are very excited. Um, we are going to be writing a, uh, well, we are writing a book together. Right, baby? Yeah. Yes. What I hear. Yeah, we're writing a book together. I've heard of couples and marriages and family trying to build a house together, so I hope it's not that bad. Uh, it's been so, fun so far. Yeah, it's been great. We've got the introduction done, right? And the name of the book is Gospel Conversational Marriage. So we're writing a book about on marriage, uh, engaging your spouse in everyday life. Uh, we've already written the introduction, like I said, and we've got 12 chapters, but we're calling them instead of chapters what? Remember. Conversations. Conversations, y'all. Apparently, he literally told me two minutes ago that I was coming up here. Yeah, I did. Apparently, we didn't have a conversation about those twelve conversations. See how good we are. Yes, this is going to be a great marriage book. Yes. Uh, so, w- would you would you partner and pray for us, please? Uh, we just started this, finished the introduction over the weekend, and we're really excited about it. So, we're burdened. Um, too many marriages. Marriage is just under attack, and we're just burdened by that. And we're praying that this will be a super spreader, that it will, it will spread, uh, be a super spread of gospel conversations all over our church, all over our nation, convention, all over the world. So would you pray for us? Yes. All right. Give a thumbs up, if you will. All right. Awesome. Thanks, babe. Yeah, give that to you. All right. Thank you. Y'all give my bride a hand, huh? All right, if you have your copy of God's Word, I want to ask you to open to Mark 13, uh, Mark's Gospel, the 13th chapter, and we're going to be looking at verses 32 through verse 37 in Mark 13. So Mark 13, 32 through 37. I don't know if you've ever attended one. Um, They're happening right now. Uh, Some are hosting some right now. Some are attending some right now, and they're known as watch parties. I don't know if you've ever attended a watch party. Uh, Facebook made those popular a few years ago, I believe, and so they have them for all kind of streaming events, sports and movies, and in fact, Tennessee Baptist, the Youth Evangelism Conference this year, students, it'll be a watch party, uh, via watch party, so they happen all the time. Uh, The Saint, New Orleans Saints fans across the world have been in a watch party since the end of the season wondering, is Drew Brees going to play quarterback again or is he done? I I personally believe he's 99.9% done, but he's yet to announce, so we watch and we wait. Well, in Mark 13, not New Orleans Saints, but the Saints of God are invited to a watch party. Jesus is inviting us to join his watch party. And the question is not, is Jesus going to come back? We know for a fact Jesus is coming back. That's been settled in his word. We know it. However, the question is, what are we to be doing while he is coming or until he comes? So he invites us to this watch party. So that's what I'm going to speak to you on the subject today. Join Jesus' watch party. Uh, Verse 32 in Mark 13. I'll read this and you follow along. If you're there, say I'm there. All right, here we go. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Man, isn't isn't that strange? 
I thought God was all-knowing. So how is it that Jesus doesn't know? Well, we'll get to that later. Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to, there it is again, stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Father, thank you for your word. This is a truth that we have just read today, that we've just heard today. This is truth, and we are thankful for it. And we pray that, Holy Spirit, as you teach us today, that we would respond to your teaching, that we would take the next step in our following Jesus today. That decisions will be made. Again, Lord, for your glory and for our good. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Our takeaway, if you couldn't guess, it's pretty simple. We heard it four times already. Stay awake. That's it. (laughs) Um, Not a lot of thought to that one, huh? Just simply what Jesus has imperatively commanded us to do, and that is to stay awake. And what he's talking about is spiritually stay awake. Uh, Spiritually, wake up. And not only wake up, but stay awake. And so what I want to do is I want to point out four activities that I've pulled from Jesus' watch party here. Four activities that will help us stay awake. Okay, here's, here's the first one. Look out for one another while you look up. Look out for one another while you look up. Uh, this is how Jesus paints this picture. Notice, he says, but concerning that day or uh, that hour. So what is that day? He is referring to his coming again. Everything from the rapture all the way to the millennial reign. He's referring to that whole perusia. He's referring to his second coming. He's referring to all of that. And, And here's how I understand this to be. Now, you can agree to disagree with me. You have every right to be wrong. Amen. But this is how I see this unfold in Scripture. So that day, how does this happen? Well, there's the rapture of the church, okay? Jesus comes for his church. The church is raptured. After the rapture, all believers will appear before the judgment seat of Christ, not to have our sins judged. They've already been taken care of, if you've not heard already. (laughs) Jesus has paid them all in full, done. It is finished. He says, so we will stand before the Lord and give an account for every work that we've done in him and rewarded and assigned assignments and whatnot. Then there'll be seven years of tribulation on the earth. And toward the end of that, there'll be the marriage supper of the lamb in heaven. There'll be the massacre supper of the Lord on earth. That will culminate in Jesus's second coming and we'll come back with him. The battle of Armageddon will take place. Then the white throne judgment where all unbelievers will be judged. And here's the thing about that. Every good deed you've done, if you're an unbeliever and you've yet to come to faith in Christ, and if Jesus comes back and you've still yet to put your faith in Christ, every good deed you've ever done, Jesus is going to open up a book and everything you've ever done will be there and he'll give you credit for every bit of it. You'll get credit for all of it. 
But then when it gets to the bottom of that balance sheet, it's going to say insufficient funds. It's going to say not enough because you never put your faith and trust in Christ. So at the white throne judgment, those will be judged, non-believers, and it will be announced that they are not enough, and they will be cast into hell forever. And then will come the thousand-year reign, and then death, hell, Satan will be thrown into the lake of fire forever. So this, this, is that, this is the culmination of all that happening, the end times, the last days, on that day, which means the day of the Lord, which is everything I just went through. Now, we can argue about the nuts and bolts of the second coming. You can agree. Uh, we can agree to disagree. But what we cannot do, we cannot afford to argue about it to the point where we do not agree to tell people about the first coming. We need to tell them about the first coming. Yes, we can share our opinions about the second coming, that's fine, but we must point people to the first coming because Jesus came to save his people from their sins. That's why he came. And today, uh, the world is looking at this word and saying, Jesus isn't coming. He hasn't come yet. He's not coming. And they scoff at him and they mock him and they don't realize what they're doing. They're trying to erase the second coming. When the hope of the whole world to escape is found in his first coming. So we need to put the focus back on the first coming as we long for his second coming. We need to let the world know that Jesus has come to save them from their sin. So here's how this lays out. As we look up, as we await, as we pray, come Lord Jesus, come. As we do that and we watch for him, we're to look out for one another. And, and let, let me show you this. this. So let's deal with this. How did Jesus not know when he would come. Look at this. Uh, it says it in verse 32. Nor the Son. What, those three words are power packed with theology. They are pregnant with theology. And hey, by the way, parents of students, grandparents of students, would you raise your hand? If you're a parent or grandparent of a student, let me say this to you. If your teenager can handle biology, if your teenager can handle geometry and trigonometry, they can certainly handle some theology. So don't shy away from that. I'm going to give you a little theology uh, this morning with these three words, nor the son. Nor the speaks of Jesus' humanity. Now, this would be, apart from the incarnation, this would not make any sense at all. The incarnation helps this make a little bit more sense to us. Because when Jesus arrived on this earth, when he appeared in his incarnate state, which means the word became flesh, he dwelt among us. God himself, God the Son, uh, put on a suit of flesh and he walked among us. And so when he did that, he did not surrender his deity. He did not. But he did lay aside... His glory to a degree. What do I mean by that? Dare I say this? Uh, but he was not omnipresent in the flesh. He could not be in more than one place at one time. That's why he told the disciples, it's better for me to go and send the Holy Spirit because he can indwell all believers simultaneously. Also, uh, he laid aside, again, dare I say, apparently some of his knowledge, at least of when he would come again. And this is fascinating if you stop and think of it. 
Think about this. Why would he do that? Well, there are a couple of reasons. First of all, he wants to identify with us, with you and with me. He wants to live an authentic human life, being totally submitted to the Father, surrendered to the Father, and totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit. So that's why he did that. That's why he laid aside some of his glory. Is, isn't this a, a fascinating thing to think of? And then, then look at the other, nor the Son. Now, this will blow your mind. So, Jesus understood his limitations in his incarnate state. He understood that. He got hungry. He got tired. Yes, 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 etc., etc. He understood that. But at the same time, he knew that he is God the Son. Son here is, it correlates to the Father. Do you see this? Look at it. Verse 32. Nor the Son, but only the Father. Jesus is not referring to himself here as the Son of Man. He's not. He's referring to himself here as the Son of God. The deity of Christ. He is recognizing his own divine sonship. That's what he's doing. So here's, here's what's happening. Jesus recognizes his limitations. At the same time, he knows he is God in the flesh. Listen, every one of us, we think we're something, don't we? And we are absolutely nothing. Johnny Hunt stood here Thursday night talking to, un, talking to just common men. And he was talking about, listen, we're all common men. doesn't matter how much money we have or how many degrees we have or how much success we've had. We, we came from dirt. We're going back to dirt. We're nothing. So we all think we're something, but in reality we're nothing. Here's Jesus who knows he's something. He knows he's something. And yet he made himself nothing. Paul says it like that in Philippians. He, he says that Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped. We talk about an equality act. How about that act of equality? But he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has exalted him to the highest place and laid upon him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you think any of us would have laid aside? <laughs> listen, do you think any of us would have laid aside that kind of glory for our enemies? We won't even take the time to lay aside our pride to get along with our family. Much less lay aside that kind of glory for, for an enemy. Listen to me. You were not... When God demonstrated his love for you, you were not a part of his family. That's not, it doesn't read that God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were family, Christ died for us. That's not how that reads. It reads that God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were his enemies, Christ died for us. Wow. On the third day, praise the Lord, up from the grave he arose... 
And everyone who believes in him now walks in newness of life. So, are we to look up for that kind of love? Absolutely. Are we to wait and watch and pray for his coming? Absolutely. We are told that we are to live godly lives in this present age, waiting for his appearing, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. John tells us in 1 John that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So yes, we're to look up. The 11 disciples stood there in Acts 1 and they were looking up when Jesus ascended, waiting on him to come back right then. And this angel said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into the sky for this same Jesus? This Jesus who you saw go into heaven, he's going to come back the same way that you saw him go up to heaven. So yes, we're to look for his coming. We're to wait for his coming. We're to watch for his coming. We're to anticipate his coming. We're to pray for his coming. Come Lord Jesus, come. But in the meantime, we are to look out for one another. So Check this out in verse 33. It says, be on guard, keep awake. Okay? Be on guard, keep awake. Be on guard. That means to beware. It means to be diligent in awareness of a threatening peril. It means to alertly be concerned about. It means to pay attention. (laughs) Pay attention. Right? Uh, Okay. It means to, in fact, in one manuscript, it even has pray on here. Keep awake and pray. Be on guard, keep awake and pray. Now, watch and pray. Now, that's consistent with other teachings of Jesus to his disciples. Remember the Garden of Gethsemane? Peter and James and John are there. And Jesus says, all right, uh, y'all keep watch and pray. I'm going to go over here and pray. And y'all, y'all keep watching and pray so you don't fall into temptation. See, church, we're to look out for one another so we don't fall into temptation. We're to have accountability partners so we don't fall into temptation. Watch and pray, watch and pray, watch and pray. Jesus went away, came back, they were asleep. He said, okay, guys, let's wake up, watch and pray. He went back a second time, came back, they're asleep. Third time, came back, they're asleep. Did Jesus say, strike one, strike two, strike three, you're out of here? No, he said, rise, let's be going. Strike one, strike two, strike three, you're in. Wow. We're not to cancel one another. We're to care for one another. Amen, church? Care for one another. Look out for one another. How do we do that? Well, the Bible tells us 59 different ways to be one another people. Submit to one another. Honor one another. Serve one another. Pray for one another. Put up with one another. Forgive one another. And on and on and on they go. That's how we look out for one another. We also need to watch out for the deception that this world throws at us. Watch out for it. This Equality Act is a slap in the face to God Almighty and to His Word. It's exactly what, this has already been handled. Jesus said, God said, he said it very clearly. that God created them male and female. In the image of God, he created them male and female. It's very clear. Quality acts a slap in the face for our declaration of independence. We're all created equal. How can it be any more clear than that? Watch out for that. Watch out for the, the subtle, like for example, I'll hear, I'll, I'll hear people say this. I'll hear them put a pronoun before the word truth. That this is my truth. Or that's your truth. If, if you put a pronoun before the word truth, if you put your personal pronoun before the word truth, you are pronouncing to everybody that you've walked away from the truth. There's only one truth. It is the truth. And that's a subtle way deception seeps in. Well, that's their truth, and this is my truth, and that's our truth. No, dear friend, Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. There's only one. Watch out for people that say that there is no God, that God's not coming back. He hadn't come back yet. He's not coming back. Watch out. 
And also be anticipate, watch out for a revival coming, an awakening coming. Do, do you know that last week in Texas it was zero degrees? Zero! A few days later it was in the 70s. Well, I know, I know, it's, I, I know the saying, don't mess with Texas. But God just messed with Texas, didn't he? And if he, can, if he can freeze and unfreeze Texas overnight, don't you imagine that our God can spiritually awaken a dead, frozen nation? Don't you imagine he can do that? But we've got to watch and pray. We've got to anticipate and seek his face and humble ourselves and pray, pray, pray. As we want. Listen, we're forgiven sinners, so forgiven sinners forgive sin. That's what we do. We are people who are known by Jesus, so we're to make Jesus known to people. That's what we do. We are made disciples who make disciples. So look out for one another. Secondly, what's an activity we can do as we join Jesus' watch party? Number two, we need to work till that day and stop trying to work out the date of that day. Stop trying to predict the day and proclaim the day's coming. We're called to, to keep our hand to the plow. That's what we're called to do. We're called to work. Remember, work is one of many things that appear in Scripture prior to the fall. Okay? There's nothing wrong with work. Work is good. And we're to keep our hand to the plow. And we're to work till that day comes. We're not to work out the date of His coming. We're to work till He comes. Too many churches kill their future by trying to resurrect the past. We're not called to resurrect the past. We're called to celebrate the past, remember the past, sure. Learn from the past, absolutely. But we're not called to focus on how it used to be on this and that date. We're called to focus on how it's going to be on that day when Jesus comes. Keep your focus on that. Work till that day. Here's how Jesus says it. Look at it here. For you do not know when the time will come. Verse 33. Again, I don't see how it can be any clearer. We don't know when it's going to happen. Stop focusing on the wind. Start focusing on the what we're to do until he comes. Pretty clear. It's what Jesus is saying in this verse. Predicting my coming is pointless. Proclaiming I'm coming, that's the point. Work, work, work till he comes. The story goes something like this. It was the year 999, New Year's Eve on 999. Hours before Y1K. The crowd pressed into St. Peter's Church for Mass. Uh, Pope Sylvester, I think it was the second, or the third rather, uh, was holding Mass. People were terrified. They were weeping. They were prostrate. They had sold everything they had. They had given it to the poor, hoping to gain favor with God, hoping to put their soul in a better place. Because all the rumors of earthquakes and all the rumors of meteors just told them that, man, yes, at midnight, the wrath of God is coming. The judgment of God is coming. This is the end right here. And they're terrified. In fact, one witness there who wrote, diary wrote, not a few of them just fell out dead from sheer fright. The clock struck 12 and nothing happened. <laughs> uh, life went on. People cheered. So the story goes. But... Uh, interestingly, this really didn't happen. This was a storyteller from the medieval times that wrote this because he did not believe there was enough drama around Y1K. He didn't think there was enough excitement and enough terror involved in Y1K and this prediction of the end of the world. 
And that's how every prediction is gone. They've all been wrong. Every one of them have been wrong. Why? Because God meant what he said, and he said what he meant. You do not know when the time will come. No one knows. And so, Jesus then moves into this parable. And man, this is a great parable. I call this the parable of preparation. I love this parable. It's short. It's to the point. It captures uh, the heartbeat of our Lord here. Look at it in verse 34. It is like a man going on a journey. Now, this is the owner of the home that's going on a journey. So, this, this man on a journey, this is Jesus referring to himself here. So, Jesus is going on a journey to heaven. He ascended. He's going to come back. Okay. But as he goes, he leaves home and puts his servants in charge. Those are the disciples. That's you and me. All right? And what are we to do? Here's what we're to do. Each with his work. So when Christ comes, you need to be found doing what Christ has created you to do. That's what this parable means. It doesn't mean get saved before he comes. Of course, you better be saved before he comes, obviously. But it says saved people, disciples, listen to me. You better stay ready, remain ready, do the work I've called you to do until the day when I come. And so, they do their work, and look at this, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. So we're all responsible to stay awake. Every one of us are responsible for that. There's no distinction between doorkeeper and, 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 and the servants. We're all doorkeepers. We're all to keep awake, watch guard, be alert, watch and pray. How do we do that? How do we make sure that we're doing the work that God's called us to do? First of all, you need to stay in the Word every day. Let the Word get into you every single day. You may say, well, I don't have time to read the Word. Well, when you're driving in your car, listen to it on your Bible app or audio Bibles. Listen to it. Set, set a calendar reminder on your phone, 15, 20 minutes every day. you got other appointments on your calendar. Put this one on it. Time with the Lord. I'm going to spend this time reading the Word today. I'm going, to, I'm going to journal through the Word today. I'm going to read the Word today. I'm going to let the Word get into me. We need to be having conversations with people about this good news. We need to be praying. I love how Jesus changed how we approach God. I love, you understand, He changed it. Abraham, when he approached God, this is what he said. Abraham said, O oh Lord God. When Jacob approached God, he said, oh God. When Moses approached God, he said, oh Lord. When Hannah approached God, she said, oh Lord. When David approached God, he said, oh Lord God. When Hezekiah approached God, he said, oh Lord. When Jesus approached God, guess what he said? <laughs> Our Father. Abba, Father. Wow. Yes, because we've come to faith in God's only Son. We've been adopted into God's family, and He is our Father. So yes, stay informed, stay informed, stay informed in the daily news, but be transformed by the good news. I remember reading about that traveler who came to an estate on his travels, and he walked up to the door, knocked on the door. The head servant came to the door. The head servant invited the traveler in. The traveler said, man, I, I need to meet the owner of this estate. Head servant said, I'm sorry, sir. The owner of this estate has not been here in years. The traveler's looking around, saying all the servants are busy running through, changing seats, sheets, cooking food. I mean, they're busy. The traveler's scratching his head thinking, what, what do you mean the owner hadn't been here in, in years? He hadn't been here in years. So, wow, y'all are preparing like he's, he's coming back tomorrow. The head servant said, oh, no, sir. We're not preparing as if he's coming back tomorrow. We're preparing as if he's coming back today. Today he's coming. It'll always be 
today. So, look out for one another. Work till that day. Number three, stay faithfully awake. Stay faithfully awake and don't fall away. How many of you like to sleep? Anybody like to sleep? Come on now, let's be honest about this. Some of you sleep right now. Come on, come on. Yes, like to sleep. A pastor friend of mine said, uh, <laughs> he said, uh, I like the way he said this. He said, going to bed early, not going to parties, uh, having to, uh, turning off the television. My, my childhood punishments have become my adult dreams. <laughs> oh, how I wish! I could do those today. Man, love to sleep. Well, notice what Jesus says here about sleep at the end of verse 36. Lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. He's talking about spiritually being asleep. Spiritually. And we see four watches here that Jesus gives. Not watches that you wear, but watches of the night. Okay, so, so look, look at this. Verse 35, therefore stay awake. So again, the point here, number three, is stay faithfully awake and don't fall away. All right? So here we see how Jesus says this. There's four watches he, he mentions here. Evening, midnight, rooster crows, and morning. Now, the Jews had three watches of the night. Well, there's four here. Why is there not three? Why is there four? Because this is the Romans' watches. The Romans had four watches of the night. The Jews had three. So he's talking to Jews. Why, is he, why isn't he using the Jewish three instead of the Gentile four because he's including all of us not just Jew not just Gentile those 12 Jews would have clearly understood the Roman watches of night because Rome had become a part of their culture so they'd have known that so he uses four here to include you and me amen because this gospel is not only for Jew it's not only for Gentile it's for Jew and Gentile black and white male and female it's for all of us and so here are the four look at this evening would be 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. All right? Midnight would be 9 p.m. to 12 a.m. Rooster crows would be 12 a.m. to 3 a.m. Apparently the rooster crowed at 3 a.m. That rooster would be on his way to Chick-fil-A pretty quickly. <laughs> if I'd have been there. And then 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. would be morning. Okay? So those are the four watches. Now, why is that important? Here's what Jesus is saying. I can come back at any time. And you, you won't know. You won't know when I'm coming. So, again, stay awake. I want to be as committed to Christ as I've been to elastic waist pants this past year. I want to be that committed. I want to be as committed to Christ as those people are that keep calling me about my extended warranty. They still hadn't stopped. I want to be that committed. And I'm tired of hearing about pastors just walking away from the pulpits. That, 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 have, that have surrendered and, and, and they're walking away. I'm tired of hearing families that are being broken, just broken, because a child walks away or a parent walks away or a spouse walks away. I'm tired of hearing about it. I, I'm tired of hearing about these Christian influencers that wake up one day and say, I'm no longer a Christian. What? I'm tired of it. Man, I'm tired of watching people walk away, wander off into myths and leave the truth. Don't ever back up, ease up, let up, slow up until Jesus calls us up. Stay focused and, and, and stay awake and keep alert because there's some insanely bold, 
wicked things that are happening all around us. I, I cannot believe, I, I couldn't believe it when I heard it. I couldn't believe the Man, Congressman Jerry Nadler said this on Thursday, and I quote, God has no authority in the House of Representatives. My glory. Boy, is that a statement or what? God has no authority in the House of Representatives. Now, we know that's heresy. That's hogwash. That's right from the pit of hell. We know that, and we can get righteously angry about that, and rightly so. But then we need to take a look introspectively and say, okay, is the way I'm living my life, is, is it at all communicating? Is it at all reflecting that God has no authority in this heart, in my heart? Or is the way I'm living my life communicating that God has no authority in my marriage? Or God has no authority in my house? Or God has no authority in my parenting? Or God has no authority in our finances? Or God has no authority at the workplace or at school? Or God has no authority in this church? We have to stay awake. We have to stay faithfully awake. Because the deception, it is subtle and then it's blatant on top of being subtle and blatant and blatant and subtle. And it creeps. And I love what John Bunyan said. He said, I'll stay in prison till the moss grows on my eyelids rather than disobey God. James Coates, this Canadian pastor, has been in prison, said, if you let me out today, I'll preach again tomorrow, quoting John Bunyan. Yeah, that's what I want. I want to stay that committed. I want to stay that faithfully awake. Because it's crazy what's happening in our world, all the subtle deception and then the blatant deception. I mean... Even Mr. Potato Head is not safe. Leave him alone. He's been Mr. Potato Head for 68 years. Why are you messing with him? It's crazy. So we need to stay faithfully awake and don't fall away. Last one. Here we go. Number four. And we're done. Cancel. Cancel culture. Now, where did I get that from verse 37? You look at verse 37 and say, what does that have to do with canceling? Cancel culture. Look at verse 37. And what I say to you, I say to all. So, again, Jesus is speaking to the twelve. Mark is writing this to his hearers. But the Holy Spirit has been teaching, verse 37, to generation after generation after generation after generation for the last 2,000 years. And in every generation, every culture, we have issues and, and things that conflict with the gospel. And cancel culture is one of those. Cancel culture is complete and utterly counterculture and in conflict with the gospel. Cancel culture says, hey, if somebody wrongs you, if they don't agree with you, if they believe differently than you, if they have a different opinion than you do, then just write them off. Cancel them. Forget about them. Have nothing to move away from them and just cut them off completely and utterly. What happens when everybody's canceled? What does the last person do? Does he or she cancel him or herself? I mean, I don't understand this cancel culture. The only person who had any right to cancel anybody is the same one who had every right to cancel all of us. That's Jesus. But Jesus didn't cancel us, did he? He didn't move away from us. He moved toward us. He, he drew near to us. And so how can I, what can I do to cancel, cancel culture in my own heart and life? And, and what can I do? Here's what you can do. 
Very simple. Because this word is for all of us. Stay awake. Part of staying awake is exercising grace. That's part of staying awake. Extending grace. And grace will cancel, cancel culture. Because here's what grace says. Grace never says, and grace, remember what grace is. Remember, justice is I get what I deserve. Mercy is uh, I, I, I don't get what I deserve. But grace is I get what I don't deserve. Okay? So, grace... When it comes to cancel culture, for example, if you extend grace, if somebody wrongs you, grace is not saying, okay, they really didn't wrong you. That's not what grace is saying. Grace does not say that. Grace does not say a wrong has not been committed or a wrong has not been done. That is not what grace says. Grace does not make wrong, wrongs right. Grace says, in the face of wrong, I'm going to take a step toward that person, although they've wronged me. I'm going to move toward them in the hope of reconciling. I'm not going to turn my back, walk away, and forget about them forevermore. That's not grace. That's not what Jesus did. The gospel says Jesus extended grace. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourself. No one can boast. It's the gift of God. This is how we are reconciled to God. He didn't move away from us. He came down to us. He moves towards us. So I want to encourage you today. Believers and unbelievers, to join Jesus' watch party. I mean, I learned this in experiencing God years ago. Find out what God is doing and join Him. That's the first thing I learned. Is one of the first things I learned as a as, as a new disciple to find out what God is doing, find out where He's doing it, and join Him. Join Him. Hey, what, what a great opportunity we have. What a great invitation we have right here that Jesus is imperatively commanding us to stay awake, to join his watch party. So if, you're in, if you've never put your faith in Christ before, you said, man, I've never joined anything that has to do with Jesus or any church or nothing like that. I'm, I, I'm, I don't know Christ personally. I've never made that decision. Hey, I want to encourage you today to think about this. When you have Facebook, I don't have Facebook, but when you do, I think you have friends, right? Well, Jesus, the Bible says, is a friend of sinners. So this is how you join his team. This is how you join his family. This is how you join his watch party. He is a friend of sinners. He moves towards sinners, just like you and just like me. We're all sinners. We're all weak. We're all broken. God doesn't forget about us. He moves towards us in the person of Jesus. And Jesus came and lived a perfect life. He loved on the people. That he came to save. Well, those same people drug him out of the city, nailed him to a tree, killed him, crucified him. He died. They laid him in the tomb. Up from that grave he arose. And anyone and everyone who believes in and on him shall be saved. What a great message that we get to share. So Jesus is inviting you to come to him if you're weary and heavy laden. For he will give you rest. And I want to extend that invitation to you. Well, how do I accept the invitation? The Bible says repent, which means to turn from your sin and believe. What do I believe? You believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died for you, that he was raised from the dead, and you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. And I believe today the Holy Spirit is drawing somebody to be saved. So I want everybody to close your eyes with me, bow your heads, pray something simple like this. If you'd say, yes, the Spirit is stirring my heart today. Say, Father, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus came to bring me to you because I've been separated 
from you due to sin. I ask you, Father, to forgive me as I believe in Jesus, put my faith and trust in Him. Come into my life and save me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Man, we want to celebrate with you if you you prayed a prayer like that and you meant it in your heart. How we want to celebrate. So let us know. Uh, Send us a text message. You can do that by texting the short code. Uh, The short code is 79969. And you can text the name Jesus or you can text connect. Just let us know. If you have a prayer request, let us know. For the believers in the room and worshiping at home, maybe your next step at Jesus' watch party is maybe you've not taken the step of baptism. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe you need to be baptized. We'd love to get you scheduled for that. Uh, Maybe it's joining a life group or discipleship group or joining this church or answering a call to ministry. Whatever it is, take that next step today. We're going to stand, not right now, but we're going to stand in a few minutes. I'm going to invite you to come in the room and online. I'm going to invite you to text with us. And if you're in the room, you can text too. But I want to remind us today of these activities. Look out for one another. Work till that day. Stay faithfully awake and cancel, cancel culture. In other words, extend grace. Bottom line, simply this. Stay awake. Stay awake. For, for the Almighty... He's coming already. (laughs) For the beginning and the end, he's already told us that the ending has begun. So stay awake. This Christ who has come, he is coming. So stay awake. The devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So stay awake. For the enemy came only to steal, kill, and destroy, but it's the abundant life. My Jesus came to deploy. So stay awake. For the finisher of our faith it instructs us to keep the faith till we finish. That means you got to stay awake. You got to hit the tape. You got to press on, cross the finish line. Before you get lost in that Google search, don't forget that at last God's coming back for his church. So stay awake. Remember, heaven's far better and hell is far bitter. So stay awake. For the I am says, Behold, I'm coming soon so stay awake for the judge of the living and the dead he's coming to judge the living and the dead so stay awake for the last shall be first and the first shall be what church yeah 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 so stay awake listen this momentary this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison so uh, stay awake for this Jesus was forsaken for our sake for, for faith in what is unseen, it must be seen. So stay awake. Remember, we're, we're not looking for a triumphal sign. We are listening for that trumpet sound. So stay awake. Father, would you help us today? God, we need to wake up. Spiritually, we're, many of us have gone to sleep. Maybe we were saved many, many years ago. But Lord, there's been little to no fruit. We've gotten complacent in our walk with you. We've gotten comfortable. Lord, we're asleep, flat out, snoozing. And we keep keep hitting the spiritual snooze button. And Lord, it's time to wake up. And it's time to stay awake. 
Lord, I pray for those in the room today who would say, you know what, I, I, I need to, to wake up spiritually. It's been a long time since God has stirred my heart. It's been a long time since I've been moved by the Lord and I miss that and, and, and I want that, Lord. And I want to be obedient to your word. And I want to follow you in whatever that means. Baptism, joining the church, joining a life group, joining a discipleship group, answering the call to ministry, whatever that is. I pray if you're in the room today and that would describe you, that you'd come forward in just a moment when we stand and you'd let one of our pastors know, hey, I'm, I'm ready to make that decision. For anybody in this place who's never trusted Christ, maybe you prayed a minute ago to do that. I'd invite you to come and let us know. For those that are not in the room and you're worshiping online, please just text us and let us know the decision you're making. Even if you're in the room, you can text us. we got people ready to talk to you right now. Father, this, this is your time. Have your way in this place. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Let's stand up. Church, you come right now. God has drawn near to you so you can come near to him. You come right now. Fill up these steps and let's pray.